Church. Great to see you guys. Uh, welcome anyone who's visiting. My name is Pastor Ross. I'm so happy you're here. Um, yeah, as I was preparing for this text and reading it, a memory that came to mind was that there was once a man I met at Powerball Park named Mr. Lopez. And so that comes with Scott Hubbard and Mr. Lopez came over to our house where we lived right next to the park. He, he stayed for dinner. And he didn't just stay for dinner. He ended up staying tonight on the couch. And the next night, the next night after that. And I considered him a friend of mine. And there was a lot of sweet things about having him in our house, but eventually it became very complicated and difficult. And there was the situation became painful, and eventually there was even, even tears involved in the situation. So having him in my house, having him in our house, well, it was a blessing, but it was also very hard and very challenging. And it's still painful to look back and reflect on it. So one question I want us to ask this morning is, is it worth it? Is it worth it to do what Jesus is commanding us to do in the verses? To have people in our homes who will be a sacrifice to have in our homes? Is it worth it to have people in our homes who will cost us to have them in our homes? Exactly what this passage is going to answer for us is, is, is the price of feasting with the poor worth it? So let's, uh, let's, jump, let's jump into this text and see what it has to say. So as we know, Jesus is at a feast. Okay, so he's at a feast. And last week, what he did was he addressed the guests at that feast because he noticed that the guests were seeking honor. The guests were trying to exalt themselves at the feast. So Jesus addresses them and says to them, I think he is not seeking glory. Now what he does is he turns to the host. Because the host is doing something similar. He's seeking glory for himself based off of the people that he's inviting to his feast. And Jesus is going to ask some crazy words for him. Okay, so let's see. What does Jesus have to say? Verse 12. And he said also to the man who had invited him, When you get a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives, or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return, and you be repaid. So Jesus says, when you invite people over to your house, when you throw a party, don't invite your friends, or your neighbors, or your family, or rich people who can repay you. Don't do that. Now, when you read that verse, you have to put together with what the rest of the Bible teaches and what the rest of Jesus teaches. Thankfully, I don't think this verse actually means you can't have your friends over. You can't have your family over. You can't have your rich neighbors over or any neighbors over. That would be really, really unfortunate for our church if that was the case. If none of us could hang out anymore, right? Because Jesus said we can't. No, I don't think that's what Jesus 
Jesus is using exaggerated language to make a point. What's his point? His point is naturally that we tend to invite over people who can repay us. People we're comfortable with. People who can invite us over in return. And his point is that that cannot be our only priority. Just as much, we need to make having a priority of inviting over people to our home who can repay us. I'm sure this is absolutely radical if you think about it. How many of you guys have ever thrown a party and you thought through your guests and you thought, I'm going to invite all those socially awkward people I can think of? I'm going to invite all these connected people I can think of. I'm going to invite all the people who aren't as clean or behave the way I want to that I can think of. I know a lot of us have ever thought this way, period. That when I used to throw parties when I was in seminary, <laughs> I was trying to invite a lot of people who would be really fun and easy to be with, who would also reflect well on me. Okay, so Jesus is just saying, when you invite people over who can repay you, people who can people who are like you, he's saying you're only doing what is natural. And there's actually nothing wrong with that to have people over who you like and people who you're comfortable with. And Jesus says, here's the right verse, they will obey you. But he says, don't make this your only priority. Don't only do this. Don't only invite those people over who can obey you. Why? And then he says, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. What does that mean? What Jesus means is that the natural reward for someone invite, for you inviting someone over is that they would invite you back and get you back. And oftentimes, I would think that if I was inviting people over who were able to pay me back, who were able to do good to me, that I would be seeking my own good, that I would be seeking my own reward, that I would be seeking my own blessing by inviting people over who enjoy who I enjoy being with. But look what Jesus is saying in verse 12. If you only invite people over who you enjoy being with, you are aiming too low. You're not aiming high enough. You're too content with too low of a reward. Think about that. If you invite only people over you're comfortable hanging out with, you are aiming too low. You are content with too low of a reward. The Bible actually says something really amazing. And that is when you do things that other people cannot pay you back for, God likes to step in and pay you back. God likes to pay you back. I love giving rewards to people. But if God doesn't give you a reward for something, himself, we're talking about something 
far, far greater, aren't we, church? If there was something you can do where God himself would make you that himself, wouldn't you do it? And that's precisely what Jesus is calling us to, what he's saying to invite people into your home who can't repay you. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor, bless the Lord, and he will repay him for his need. Whoever is poor, bless the Lord, and he will repay him for his need. So Jesus goes on. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the cripple, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The resurrection of the just. So Jesus commands to invite the poor over. Today is pretty easy to figure out who the poor are, in some ways, and if there's people who last be crying at both stops and intersections. And there's also the crippled, the lame, and the blind. So this people with disabilities. It's, it's harder for them to repay you than it is for many other people too. But one other element in this text that I think we miss in our modern context is that the crippled, lame, and the blind would have been excluded from the temple, which is like the center of Israel's social life. So they would also be social outcasts. Last 
do this? Is it ironic? Because I don't feel happy when someone's at home who I don't necessarily enjoy being around much or who's costing me things. So there's someone in your home with you who is hard to love, is hard to be along with, and Jesus says that that will make you happy. You'll be happy if you're with people who is hard to be along with, who is hard to be connected with, who don't give you anything in return. That's how you get happy. That's what Jesus says. Which is totally different from what I would think would make me happy. Because I feel happy when my buddies are over and we're taking you back for watching Vikings. But Jesus says that that isn't what makes you happy. What will be truly and enduringly and everlastingly happy is when you're with someone who it costs to be with. Now, why is that? He says, because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. There will come a point where all of us are with God. It's called the resurrection of the just. And at that point, He will repay us for the ways we sacrificially love us. That reward will be higher than any reward any person you've ever received. That reward will last longer than this life could ever last. Having his approval, having his affirmation, having his reward will be better than any time you've ever spent with family or friends in this life by far. Think right now of the best holiday time you've ever had, the best time with friends from college, the best times that we all seek and desire to have. And what this passage is saying is that you'll get something far, far, far better than that. If you spend a lot of time with people who is hard to spend time with, who you don't get to pay back. This passage talks about the resurrection of the just. One theme in the Bible is that when, when it talks about the resurrection, when it talks about our time with God in life to come, the Bible talks about the peace with God. The Bible talks about the peace with God. Okay? So Jesus is talking about peace here, he's talking about a resurrection, and the Bible talks about a resurrection, or a peace that goes with resurrection. So I'm going to read for us right now from book of Isaiah, chapter 25. Jesus is talking about this resurrection. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a piece of rich food, a piece of valiant wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations, he will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. When we're feasting with God forever, I believe that we will feast more deeply, more joyfully, more fully, more intimately with our God because of the people that we invite into our homes in this life. 
we are before God. There's not a single person, you can meet in the world, who we can consider ourselves one bit better than, one bit more superior than, when we say by grace. The core that outcasts oftentimes feel inferior to others, because other people consider themselves superior to them. But when we meet Jesus, all of those false pretenses come crashing down. Friends, I need to remind myself, I need to remind you today that we are sinners. Which means we bring nothing to our relationship with God. Absolutely nothing. We're the poor. I'm the poor. You're the poor. This is what the Apostle Paul writes. I love how he puts it. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that I, his poverty, you might become rich. When we invite the poor into our home, we are demonstrating an invisible gospel that saved us. And if we only serve in soup kitchens, and if we only donate money, we do not adequately show the world what our gospel is like. Father Boston, and I must go examine that. 
these have these views. And another said, I am very white, and therefore I cannot come. So what's going on here? So there's other people. There's people who Jesus is inviting to the banquet. And they're not going to be at that banquet. Because they're not already making Jesus their priority. In other words, don't go about inviting the poor into your home. Don't go about trying to show up. Don't go about trying to do all these things Jesus is saying in this passage unless you're already feasting with Jesus. Unless you're already relating to him in word and prayer. Don't try to go and receive rewards through this feast that is coming because if you're not already related to him in intimacy right now, you won't even be there. The only people who need to be intimate with the feast of Jesus forever are the people who are already intimate with him right now. So if you're listening to my voice right now, and you got all pumped up and all excited about feasting with God in the age to come. But you don't feast with him right now. And you don't spend time with him right now. And I urge you to reconsider that decision. Because the only ones who will get to feast with God forever are the ones who feast with him right now. And spend time with him now. What do these people say to Jesus? I have a lot of feel, so I must go out and see if these have an excuse. So some sort of life priority came up. Right? Where I'm going to live. Where I'm going to home. That was more important than that person spending time with Jesus. What does another say? I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have an excuse. Some sort of financial deal. Some sort of financial opportunity. What's more important to this man is spending time with Jesus. So he says, have an excuse. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. I have married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So some romantic opportunity became more important to this person spending time with Jesus. And this is this is just the truth. This is just the truth. Okay? If we're not regularly spending time with Jesus in our lives, it's because there's some other priority that's more important than spending time with him. And I and I'm seeing a remind us because Jesus says that there's nothing more spiritually dangerous than not spending time with him. Master. Then the master of the house became angry 
and said to his servants, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city to bring in the poor and the crippled and blind and lame. I love this part of the parable. The, the master of the house was hurt, right? His heart was wounded. Um, he's angry. He's angry about his, his rejection of people coming to his feet. And usually, when someone hurts me, I shrink back and stop loving others, right? Isn't that the easy thing to do when someone hurts you? And how does God respond? He, he, he responds to that opposite. He says, go and invite others. If these people won't come, go invite the very people I told you to have in your home. Go invite the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. What this means is that God has especially loves to invite and save those who are weak according to the world. Because they're in a position where they better see their need for him. When you meet someone who is in poverty, when you meet someone who is in isolation, their life is already trained them to think that I am weak in certain ways and I need help. It's the rich who oftentimes have trouble becoming Christians because they feel a sense of independence from God and a sense of ability apart from God. So who God prioritizes in his invitation to his peace is the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame, which is beautiful because just before Jesus said that I want you to have these very people in your homes, which is a beautiful picture that as you have the poor and the socially marginalized in your homes, they may be coming to point to God for the first time in their lives. People could come to know God around your dinner table. People could come into your house, unbelievers, cut off from the living God, and leave that night or leave a few months later in a relationship with Him forever.
Our front door is our weapon. What's the only way you can fight against sin and death and unbelief and separation from God in this world? It's going to be both your front door. The really simple step. Verse 22. And the servant says, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges, and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. I think that one barrier towards me practicing hospitality like this and ministering to people like this pastor is talking about is I have a low view of God's purpose to save people. But I'm skeptical that he's actually going to do it. God, who responds to God the way that we ought to, 
would just be go out to the highways and kind of just be go out to the neighborhoods and the places around us and we compel people to come to Christ.
in return, but only receive your sacrifice. So help us to worship right now. Take my help us to worship right now. The Savior who died for us and redeemed us and got nothing in return for us. And then worshiping him, beholding him, change us so that we start to live like him for our neighbors and